Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer on 1250 AM. The fan also with us, but super fan. He is Nathan Marzion with us. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzion. Joining a special guest. Everybody's excited. All jacked up earlier today when I put out his old Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> Frank Madden joins us from the Bucks uh, Lockdown Bucks podcast. Follow him on Twitter with his new Twitter account at uh, Madden uh, NBA. And uh, I- I'm sorry about that, Frank, buddy. I put your old Twitter account, and that exposed a lot of old tweets that everybody was having a lot of fun with. And you, what the, the funny part was, you had one uh, about trying your first ever Mountain Dew Kickstart, and I had just finished my. My black cherry kickstart this morning when that tweet got exposed on you. I was like, well, damn, should I not be drinking this anymore? Because it's an old thing. <laughs> well, to to be clear, uh, I don't I don't even know why I didn't. Because, you know, like when I first started tweeting, Alex Boder and I, who started Brew Hoop with me, you know, we we just like started a, an app Brew Hoop Twitter account. And I, it might have been, was it 2007? I don't know. You know, literally it was yeah. like 15 years ago. And then eventually I just used it. And then it kind of became my personal account. And then at some point I just switched it to like my name being on it. And then I created my like personal one, which is the one you like tweeted out, but I like, I never really used it. So basically I, I don't think I've tweeted from that other one, like from the last four years. And the only thing I basically, most of the stuff on there is like stuff I accidentally tweeted to that, that I meant to use my you know, normal one that everybody sees the F Madden NBA one. So it's just, but I don't know. I mean, some of the food, the random crap on there, I stand by it. Uh, it's, it's like a decade old. 
I still drink Mountain Dew Kickstart. Although what I do now, I have Orange Mountain Dew Kickstart. I actually have some in this box yeah. thing right here. I, I water it down with sparkling water just to kind of like you know oh. ease off some of the uh, some of the Mountain Dew caffeine uh, of it all. But uh, but yeah, anyway. So I'm still a child basically when it comes to drinking soda and things like that. Marzian, do you drink any of those energy drinks at all? Uh, I'm I used to drink a lot of soda to kind of. I'm I stick with water now. That's my I just okay, you're the adult then. You're the adult. Yeah, you're the adult. yeah I drink I like just four or five sodas a day. I'm not the adult at all. No, <laughs> not 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 at all. Uh okay. So uh, Frank, let's uh, start off first with uh talking about Giannis. And the reason I bring it up is because if you look at his numbers in general, other be his mid-range numbers, finishing around the rim numbers, none of them are good. None of them are comparable to what we've seen him from him in the past. Now, throughout the year, it's, you know, like tonight, we're recording this before the Bucks heat game here on Thursday night. But before the game, he's out, as is half the lineup, but he's out with knee soreness. And that's been a thing for a while. And I'll be honest, I just say, okay, that's a way to give him a day off. Fine. We'll say it's knee soreness. Okay, fine. But maybe there's more to it than we know. Maybe that's affecting what's going on. What's your read on it? I mean, I think when you look at like the kind of his numbers, I mean, first off, it's like, you know, let's. Let's just start by saying it's like the ultimate first world problem here, right? Like we're complaining about, or well, some of us, right? Like I, I was getting, I, I get agitated about it. And look, Giannis is the favorite, my favorite athlete of all time. I, I feel like I'm mo- more vested in Giannis's legacy almost than like the Bucks franchise at this point. Like Agreed. That's, that's like one of these fun things about watching now is that like I'm I'm very cognizant. Like I feel like in the Bucks we have a championship as a franchise, but like it's almost like I just want Giannis to like win another title here just because that would vault him into some such exclusive company so we start by saying like you know the bar is impossibly high right like after that playoff after the title run and then you know not even winning getting out of the second round but the way he went out last spring the bar is best player in the world right like that's kind of what we're always kind of comparing him against and so it's like it's not really fair right because he we don't let him have the same slack in some respect right because we we expect so much of him we expect him to just carry this team this franchise um, and you look at the nominal numbers and it's like, well, the dude's averaging, you know, 31, 12 and five. It's like, you know, if you had told Sparky like 10 years ago, if you had told us that there'd be a dude averaging 31, 12 and five for the box, they'd be 27, 14, that have won you know, a championship 18 months ago. And we'd be talking about complaining about his, you know, non-restricted area paint shooting. Like we'd be like, guys, go pound sand, like what the exactly. hell's wrong with you, right? Um, so I start, I, I want to start with that like huge caveat, right? That this is, this is just, you know, the legacy of his greatness is is what creates this really high bar for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know if it's, if it's, uh, you know, injury stuff. I mean, you know, it used to be his right knee, then after the left knee injury in the East Con- Eastern Conference Finals, now it's always the left knee that kind of gets cited as for, for soreness. But, you know, thankfully, you know, we haven't seen it ever like be like a real like longer term issue. Um, I mean, the interesting thing when you look at his numbers is, you know, like the mid range jump shooting has come back a little bit, um, but it was the best it's ever been last year. And when we talk about the floater range stuff, right. Which is what a lot of kind of like post-ups that go into hook shots and some of those things, that was the best it's ever been last year. He was a little over 40% in both of those areas last year, which is good. Like that's not like just good for Giannis. Like that's, that's good. Right. And it, I think a lot of that really started during the championship run. And, and that's kind of why I think now, you know, I look at it and it's really frustrating because on the one hand, it's like, you know, whatever scoring seven points against the Hawks in January, like 
in a game they win and they does all this other stuff and contributes to winning and not, not that big of a deal, but the goal, again, the bar is way up here, right? It's to win a championship. It's to continue building his legacy to be the best player in the world. And, you know, just like some of the, the lack of rhythm and confidence, right. Which is the thing that I'd maybe say is that the most, like, it seems like he just does not want to shoot those types of shots anymore. Like, it seems like he's aware that like he's struggling and, and he's taking a huge volume of shots at the rim. I mean, if he was tired, I think he'd be settling for a lot of mid-range jumpers. True. He'd be shooting more threes, doing stuff like that. He's not doing that. And part of it's because I don't think he has the confidence and the three-point shot has also not been as there even by his lower standards. It hasn't been as good this year. So he's he's been attacking the rim, you know, more than he has in years, which is not what you do when you're tired or injured. And so I think the I guess the upside is I don't worry about like the at room finishing because again, he's creating so much for himself without having obviously Middleton around who's been, you know, kind of his, his pick and roll partner and all that. So I, I just think, again, it just seems like he has the yips a bit from again, when he's not at the rim, it just seems like there's a confidence problem. He's never had great touch on like, you know, hook shots and things like that. And it just seems like he's inside his own head with that. And, you know, normally we've seen that most prominently at the foul line. I think he's kind of gotten over a lot of the stuff we saw during that really rough stretch early this season. His free throw percentage has been trending up. Um, so I, I'm less worried about that. Um, but again, it's just he's got to get to he can't be where he's at now in the playoffs, because I just think fundamentally, if you're playing the Boston Celtics, you are not going to be able to get to the rim the way he does against the Washington Wizards or like random teams night to night. And so he's got to be more consistent at taking shots that the defense is willing to give him. And again, as awesome as he was last spring playing without Chris, I mean, he wasn't very efficient in putting up those monster 35 point per game numbers against the Celtics in that series. And so I think the question is just like, how does he get back to where we know he can get and we can be confident of that, or we can be concerned about it. You know, it's, it's up to you and your level of paranoia as a Bucks fan, probably like which kind of side of the coin you want to get on that. But it's absolutely been, I think an issue for him and if he doesn't solve it and doesn't get back to where he's going to be, like, I don't think you can win a championship with Giannis struggling at that aspect of the game, because I think that was such a key part in getting him over the hump of what we saw in like 2019 and 2020, him adding that to his game, I think it was, was so key in him becoming what he became in terms of the best player in the world. So that's, that's just, you know, again, I don't want to get like too crazy about it. We're halfway through the season. There's a ton of time left. Seasons are super long. Things go up and down. Um, but again, it's an area that, you know, where you're just so used to him always getting better, getting better every year. And this feels like the first season where it's like, man, he's, he's kind of like regressed in, in certain phases and we're not used to that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously one of the last people that'll ever criticize Giannis, but I completely agree with it. It is a little bit, you know, disappointing to see that because that was something that was so crucial for getting us over the hump. Him, you know, becoming so good in that playoff run was like, he'd hit those shots and, we saw it last year, you know, like you said, the best mid-range season of his career. And he was legitimately like pretty good with mid-range shots, not just by his standards. And those are the shots I think like the right now it's like that, you know, whatever, four to 14 ish feet. Like he's kind of, he's doing okay on the longer mid-range shots, which is yeah. at least good to see that he can sometimes hit those, knock them down. But it's like, yeah, you know, you get into the paint, but you can't quite get to the rim and he's not really able to do much in that in-between area, which is definitely frustrating. I don't, like how much of his overall efficiency, like his areas, lower efficiency this year, do you think can be attributed to 
you know, his, his higher usage, not having Chris and just having that extra load. Cause I think that definitely plays some of a role. Like if you told me before the season that, you know, well, Chris is out for, you know, half the season, Giannis is going to be less efficient. Like that would make sense. I wouldn't be surprised by that, but some of it also, yeah, like you said, it is the touch. So I just, I was kind of curious what you think about how much of it is him, how much of it is the role he has to play and just the, the, the load he's carrying. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, it, it's always like, you know, the answer is always the combination of, of those things. Right. Um, you know, I think his shot chart, like where he's taking shots, I think, you can't complain about that much. Right. I mean, like he's not jacking up six, three pointers a game or something like that. Like three point shooting, he's reined in to a large degree, um, which I think shows some self-awareness. Um, and some of the games where the, the jump shot has been really bad, like that golden state game, like they were winning by so much, like you could tell he was just kind of working on it in game. Yep. And I'm okay. I'm okay with that to an extent. I mean, there's kind of reach some point where it's like, okay, dude, like you're, you know, like one of 14 or whatever from like that stuff, like maybe, just put your head down or go assist hunting, right? Like, you know, he likes to go assist hunting, yep. like in the third quarter against Atlanta. Like it looked like he kind of was like, you know what? I don't think my, I just don't think I'm going to score a lot tonight. So I'm going to kind of create for my teammates and they were hitting shots. So it's always fun to be the playmaker when you feel like guys are going to make shots. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the lack of Chris, I, I think unquestionably has to play some role in, in some of the efficiency drop off that, that we've seen. Um, but, you know, I think a big part of it, too, is just, I mean, when you shoot worse from the free throw line, you shoot worse from kind of mid-range, you shoot worse from three. I mean, obviously, no, there aren't that many at-rim shots that you can take and create in a basketball game, even when you're Giannis, um, to kind of outweigh that. And, and again, he's still above average. It's not like he's, you know, he's still like 59% true shooting, which is above average. It's it's only, you know, mortal by, by Giannis' standards. So, again, we'll see. I mean, he hasn't been below. I think 61% was the worst number he's had in the butt era. So, Again, you hope they get healthy and we see the real version of the Bucks, and then that we see a little bit more of the Giannis that we've gotten used to seeing the last two years. And, you know, again, his scoring numbers may come down um, after Chris comes back, even if he starts playing better. And of course, you know, as a Giannis, a stat obsessive, I, I really want to see him average 30 points for a season. I think it'd be just a cool thing to have done, especially last year, averaging 29.9. Be cool to kind of chalk that up. Uh, on the career, you know, having done it board, but, um, but whatever. Right. I mean, I think we know, especially with this team's offense, like there's a lot of work that, you know, they need to do to kind of get back to where they've been the last few years. And um, I don't know, it, it's a little early to be, be seeing the Bucks playoff offense. I feel, I feel like. Well, that's the thing though, right? So and and Nathan and I've been talking about this on green and growing. And I think Nathan has been right in what he's been saying this whole time, which is just let's let's wait and see what this looks like when Middleton is is back and right. And then if if this is still a problem, then, you know, we can have the conversation of, OK, and now we now we have some concerns. I think it's a fair point. I think, you know, these fans and on the last podcast we did, we were kind of defending Chris Middleton for all these fans that you know are pretty much saying, well, he, he's he's doing this because he wants a new contract and he's mad and da, 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 which is all a bunch of hogwash, I think. Uh, but the thing is, is it it is that that knee, which is what they were saying last night on TV, that they they believe it's the knee still. Uh, can he get back to playing at that level? And does he have to be playing at Chris Middleton level in order for this team to advance? Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yeah, I mean, like, from what I've heard, like, I don't I don't think his knee specifically is, is a big concern. I think, I'd say right now my biggest concern, I mean, when we saw him actually playing, it did not seem like we were seeing an in-shape Chris Middleton. And I think to some to some extent you know, it's hard to get in shape, like riding a stationary bike with a cast on your hand or whatever. Like, I mean, there's no, there's no kind of way you can simulate game action without actually just playing basketball games. Um, And I think Chris, I mean, a few years ago, right. I don't know. I forget which year it was. It was, this was years ago, but I mean, he basically admitted in training camp, like on media day that like he hasn't always like come into camp in good shape. And, you know, I think doing the team USA stuff has, has been helpful because I think it probably, you know, basically forced him to get into game shape because he was playing games. And, um, you know, I think probably after the title, maybe it was a little extreme, right? Having basically, you know, no off season and, and who knows how that may have contributed to him wearing down some of the injuries he had. But, uh, but I, I think to me, like my big thing is like, I want to see him like get into shape and, you know, obviously you hope that the random injuries don't kind of follow him around. You hope that, you know, the knee is, is not really an issue. I mean, the knee that was being cited was not the knee that he had surgery on as well, right. which also kind of made it a little strange. Right. Yep. Um, but any, you know, he's, I mean, remember like the Rockets game, like he sprained his ankle. That was like the original reason he was out. He sprains the ankle. And then now I think in the Journal day, we had the story about, you know, like he had blisters and just a lot of weird stuff, like with, with, with injuries kind of falling him around. And so I, I don't know that any of those, like the wrist obviously is kind of a random thing. I don't know that any of those, are things that are going to like reoccur during the season or say like, well, he's a risk to re-injure that specific thing. Um, but again, it, you can't help but say, well, man, he's <laughs> had all this random stuff, keep him off the court and prevent him from playing in the last six months, nine months. Um, it's a concern. And so I think until we see him on a court playing more consistent basketball, then I, I think you have to have at least some concern. Right. Uh, but again, like, you know, he's a guy that has a super high skill level. Obviously his basketball brain, his passing um, is terrific and so key to what the Bucks do. And I think honestly being without him for so long, I think just has created a little bit of a chain reaction because obviously everybody knows he's, he's one of their key creators and, and kind of secondary ball handlers. And I think also just, you know, Drew has been like the most in- indispensable guy. When you look at like the on off metrics this year, right? Like Drew's the guy, like when they don't have Drew, like, man, everything falls apart yep. because, well, you don't have Chris and we'll look at who are your backup point guards. They're not like, you know, offensive point guards. They're like caretaker game manager point guards, Javon Carter and George Hill. So, you know, without Chris, I think just, it has really exposed the lack of depth they have from an offensive creation standpoint. And, you know, I think we've seen obviously been in some encouraging signs from Joe Ingles, We'll see if that can be a consistent weapon, you know, in the playoffs when things get really difficult and, you know, you're going to be really tested on the defensive end as well. Um, But again, like that's kind of the hard part with this team is, 
the big question, I mean, all, all that matters is what they really look like when they've got some semblance of a healthy roster. And until they get there, you know, to some extent, you just look at 27-14 and the, the point differential is the worst of the butt era. Like they're pretty lucky to be 27-14. We look at sort of like that as a measure. Um, but given that you haven't really had your full team and you've had true missing random games, all these illnesses and things like that. Um, hey, I'll, I'll take 27-14. Um, we'll see tonight with this game, with this game and all the guys missing. Uh, if you get one out of two in Miami, I think you probably feel okay about that. And again, to see what happens with Brooklyn and, and KD being out probably a month, if that kind of brings them crashing back to earth a little bit, because at the end of the day, if you can get to, you know, April with Chris Middleton looking close to what we expect of Chris Middleton and Drew being Drew and Giannis again, being closer to the Giannis, we know, um, Hey, if you get to that point and you're, you know, the two seed, I think you'd be be pretty happy and you'd be on track to to kind of be able to do the stuff that you want to do in the playoffs. But again, you can't really hit the fast forward button, even though it feels like probably Bucks fans <laughs> wouldn't mind doing that at times during the regular season. Um, and uh, I don't know. So I think obviously the Bucks are going to prioritize health and they're going to prioritize playing the long game. But does that make the regular season more annoying and frustrating and kind of tougher for fans to watch. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's, it's been one of the more frustrating, you know, 27 and 14 starts to a season probably that, that you could have. Yeah. It's just, it's so, I, I think I tweeted this after, I want to say it was the Brooklyn loss that they had um, right before Christmas or something. I was like, I'm just so tired of trying to judge them, but you know, you don't know if this is really the team, like you want to jump to, Oh my gosh, they need, you know, they need to change all this and they need to get more shot creators and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, once Chris comes back, like how much does that change? And just if everything's gelling and I don't know, it's, it's just hard to, you know, like you said, it's made it such a frustrating season, but as you said, it is very good to be in a position where, yeah, they haven't played well offensively at all. You haven't had Chris, you've had all these injuries, but you're still winning games. You're still, you know, that nine and zero start helps a ton just because it gives you that kind of margin for error, I guess, to still be right up at the top, even when you're struggling a little bit. Um, because yeah, you don't want to, I mean, it, they could easily have been in a position where, they're legitimately struggling and they're losing games and you're all of a sudden like, wow, we're in danger of falling to the play-in or something like that. If these guys don't come back, they're in a, you know, they're in a fine spot still. Um, now me and Sparky have kind of argued about this. I know we argued in one episode where we're going to assume that, you know, the, the belief from the team is that Chris will be back. Eventually he'll get back into shape a little bit. You don't know if he'll be a hundred percent of what he was, but um, you know, he'll be back and everything. Do you, are you in the camp of having like a plan B building your team to kind of have backup in case he's not, or are you more like you go into it, you know, you build as if you have Chris, as if you're going to have those guys going forward. And, you know, it, I know they have to make potentially some trades and, you know, maybe upgrade Grayson and all that stuff. But I think like Sparky is much more like get offense. They need, you know, they need a score and stuff like that. Whereas I'm more like trust that if Giannis, Chris drew up there, you have enough scoring and you can, you know, I, I'd rather go after like a defender kind of go like, like they did getting PJ Tucker in 2021. You can then, um, you know, have nobody that can be targeted defensively. Um, and so I'm in that camp of assume that those guys are there and that that kind of is enough for the most part. We can make some small upgrades, whereas he's more, I want some backup, you know, shot creation and stuff like that in case he's not. So I've been kind of going back and forth on this. My, my general view is because really what I think this comes down to is are you putting 
like a 2029 first round pick into play to try to make a big splash at the trade deadline? Or are you playing still a much longer game? Like how much are you not, and not just going all in, but really like mortgaging, like any sort of long-term asset base that you have in order to maximize like this season and maybe just exist this season. Right. I mean, cause who knows, right. Some of the guys that you might acquire, like, a, I mean, I'm, I'll throw out Kyle Kuzma just cause he's an expiring contract. Right. But, um, or, or like Jordan Clarkson, whatever, a lot of these guys, right. Like a lot of these guys that, that you might target to, to bump up your, your talent base and be kind of a fallback in case that, you know, a Drew or a Chris like is out for some period. Um, a lot of those guys are expiring contracts as part of why they're available. Uh, you know, if you are putting like essentially your only future first round pick that, that you can put into play into a trade like that. Um, I'm, I'm, in general, my philosophy has always been like, you can't do that. Like Giannis is only 28. Not that you're wanting it to keep that pick and oh, we're going to need that pick in 2029, but you may well need that pick to make a different move over the next year or two um, in order to beef up the team. Maybe not now, but but maybe in a year or two years when when Drew and Chris are, are even older than they are now, assuming that, that they're still around. So I've always sort of taken more of that, like you can't just get like, to can't mortgage things too hard on like just this season and throw, you know, throw assets after a guy that could just be flat out gone um, come summer. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I do think about title windows and looking at the Bucks. And again, even if Giannis, his prime should last, certainly you would hope multiple more years and he's under contract in Milwaukee, at least for, you know, another uh, few years. Um, Sometimes I do wonder, like, you know, is that naive, right? And me being, you know, Sparky, we're we're closer in age than than, uh, than we are to Nathan. Like, Correct. You know, part of me sometimes is like, you know, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna care about a player and a team as much as I do about Giannis in this version of the Bucks. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Like... By 2029, I'm probably not going to be podcasting about the Bucks. I'll probably still watch the Bucks, but, but like, right, you know, like, like, how much do you really just say, like, screw it? Who cares about 20? I'll be dead in 2020. Okay, I won't be dead. In you won't be dead. No. But um, don't hear, don't let my five year old daughter hear that. <laughs> uh, but like, how much do you really, you know, as a fan, right? I'm putting myself in sort of a fan shoes, right? But even as like owner shoes, right, um, or GM shoes, right? Like that's that's six years from now, right, John Horst. Mark Lazary potentially looking at selling the team, right? Like Lazary may I mean, not be here by 24, nonetheless exactly, 29. Exactly, right? Like I, I am really curious, like how those guys behind closed doors really evaluate 
you know, the, the, the returns on something like that and, and how much they do feel like they have to throw everything on the table for the next year or two. Because the other part of it too is like, I mean, if you don't continue to win and contend, um, then there may not be another contract for Giannis, right? Giannis may kind of say like, hmm, you know what? I don't, I don't know. Like if you guys aren't building around me and giving me a chance to win, like maybe I do look for a different opportunity. And again, I, that doesn't keep me up at nights, right? Like Giannis wanting to leave or whatever. But, uh, but again, it's this kind of challenging thing. And again, it's like, you know, you, you worry about kind of becoming the Ponzi scheme where like, where you're just sort of like mortgaging the future, mortgaging the future to kind of like feed, feed what you have right now. But again, I mean, in a, in a league where, the ultimate currency is, is titles. You only get so many chances to be a legitimate contender for a championship. And so again, while my kind of better judgment would say like, yeah, I don't want to put a first round pick and play for Jordan Clarkson or something like that. Right. Um, if it was a higher end player, okay, maybe I'll listen, but I don't, I don't know who I'm getting. That's, you know, an all-star for just putting the 2029 first round pick. I just don't really think that's probably that likely. Um, so, yeah, I end up just kind of coming back to, you know, what's the best I can get for, you know, Grayson Allen, George Hill, and all the second round picks till the end of time. <laughs> like that's that's kind of where I always sort of come out in. And, and again, maybe that is not aggressive enough, right? Like maybe that we'll look back on that and say, man, Bucks, Bucks should have been more all in than, than they were because they didn't kind of, you know, try to try to put all their chips in. But Again, I don't know. That's that's the hard part of of being a GM. That's the hard part of owning a franchise and and trying to make some of these trade offs. Because by the same token, like if you're healthy, we've seen it. This team is good enough. They can win a championship, right? They've done it. This group has done it. Uh, and I don't think you know Chris and Drew and Brooke. Certainly not Brooke the way he's playing. I don't think those guys are you know past their primes. Hopefully, Chris comes back close to where he's been. Um, but. I, so again, what does insurance look like to me? To me, it's more about, um, I think the way I look at it is more of looking at what are your weaknesses and how do you kind of try to paper over those? And again, like we always look at, to me, it's always starts with the shooting guard spot or call it the other guard who's not Drew Holiday yep. spot, right? It could be a point guard in theory, um, but, uh, but finding another guard that you feel like, okay, I feel good starting that guy against the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like that's where I always start with acquisitions, and that doesn't have to be, um, you know, Bradley Beal or something like that. Who you know you're not going to get without shipping. I don't. I don't. You're not going to get. Let's just say you're not going to get. <laughs> but uh, but anyway. So so that's kind of maybe my kind of how I've been thinking about it. But again, I I definitely have questioned myself a bit on that. And again, I think that's just the kind of thing that that John Horst and the Bucks brass kind of has to wrestle with and figure out what's there because I think they do have to make some move. I think, you know, we've seen them make moves. Tucker move obviously was huge for propelling them to the title. I don't know what that move is this year, but um, I think, I think it's not just standing pat and rolling with what you've got. Well, let's talk about that. We got a few minutes left, uh, but were you a fan of when it happened, them rolling it essentially back with the same team this year? in the summer because there were a lot of Bucks fans that weren't happy with rolling it back and they wanted more changes. Uh, so what was your thought then? And what is your thought now, now that you've seen about half the season play out? Um, I, I was generally okay with it. Like Ibaka, like re-signing Ibaka single, it's kind of like, man, like, I mean, it's like, are there, you know, great options for the veterans minimum at, at, for the center spot? Like, well, maybe not like great options, but um, it kind of felt like we saw that Serge Ibaka wasn't, going to be a guy that you'd want to play in the playoffs. So why not roll the dice on somebody else who maybe at least has a chance? 
Um, Wara, I found surprising um, just because, again, it tied up your last roster spot. And there was a huge, I mean, as an, as an incremental tax hit, like I think it was like $16 million, you were increasing your potential tax bill if nothing else changed. Um, so some of the stuff I kind of, find, kind of found surprising just because it's like, I felt like, man, I feel like the, the more economic thing to do would be just hold that roster spot open. But I mean, at, at the fundamental level, I've, I've always been someone who wanted to keep Chris Middleton. I've always been somebody that wanted to keep Brooke Lopez. And those are always the two guys that I think, you know, kind of casual Bucks fans like have thrown around the most in, in kind of like hypothetical trades. So yeah. I think as far as like big changes, I think those were sort of the obvious ones. Um, I mean, the Ingles signing surprised me just because, you know, using your full mid-level on a guy that wasn't going to play for half the season. And then who knows what he's going to have left in the tank. I, I really like the idea of like the old Joe Ingles. And we've seen some of that guy here, which has been encouraging. But again, I have concerns just like defensively, like, is that the guy that's, you know, keeping your second units afloat in a Celtic series? I, I hope we get to find out, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but that I, that was surprising. I understood the thesis, but that surprised me. Um, and obviously he was him and Marjan are basically the only kind of new faces. So it's kind of surprised me the direction that they went a little bit in that regard. Um, but as far as like the other guys that they kept, I mean, again, like George Hill's like, well, I mean, you know, what were you going to trade George Hill for? Like, you know, like Javon Carter for what he is, you know, good values, resigning, things like that. Um, but I think we've also seen like, you know, the whole off the whole thing we learned in the Celtics series, man, this offense really looks bad when you're playing good defenses and you don't have your big three yep. and all regular season, we've been seeing, man, this offense really looks bad when you're playing average defenses and you don't have your big three. So I think you can definitely look back on it and say, well, they really should have added more shot creation beyond just, you know, signing up for Joe Ingles whenever he was going to be healthy. Um, but again, it's hard. I mean, you know, like Jordan Clarkson or whatever, right? I mean, those guys aren't cheap. Like scorers are always, expensive to acquire and um you know you never know if that's just some some magic tonic and and again I'm like the defense has been great and it's been really encouraging the defense has come back and been playing at a high level um so it's kind of like i don't know when i look at the offense it's like it shouldn't be this bad like i i know that they're lacking ball handling like they don't have as many dudes as that can dribble and pass as you want especially with chris out and with the various injuries that have been happening but um i, I don't know i feel like there's stuff they can be doing like this group should be better than it has been. And the turnover stuff has been really annoying and problematic three point shooting. They're about 2% worse from three this year than last year, which, you know, if you kind of do the math out and say, well, what if they were the same, it's two points a game, which maybe not doesn't seem like a lot, but that takes you from below average offense to, you know, average to above average on its own. So hopefully some of that stuff just kind of by itself reverts back to mean, hopefully the Giannis stuff we've been talking about, reverts back to mean. And then obviously the big thing is just hopefully we see, you know, a mostly healthy Chris Middleton who, you know, I mean, at this point, like we don't need old Chris Middleton to prop up this office. I mean, any, any version of Chris Middleton, even right. if he's shooting, you know, 32% from three for most of our, I mean, that, that guy would be helpful just because he can pass and teams have to respect him and he can run a pick and roll. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't even know where the, where your question started. This was a classic Frank rambling rant. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, running it back, I was mostly okay with it. I think, and I think the other thing too, Sparky, was I'd say, I think people overstate the degree to which you can really like make big moves with a roster like the Bucks and actually like help the team 
And it's always like, you know, it's like with Chris Middleton, like, okay, I get, like, we can ask the question, like, what could you get for Chris Middleton in a trade? But no, seriously, like, tell me, what are you getting for Chris Middleton in a trade that makes the Milwaukee Bucks better? And, you know, I think part of it is he's a really good fit here. We know what he can do here. And at this point, like with his contract and age, it's like, I mean, he doesn't make sense for most teams unless you're in the same spot the Bucks are in. So then it's like, okay, so what do you want? You know, hey, we want a small forward like Chris Middleton, except better. Okay, good luck. Right. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. That's something that I have always said is just like, okay, tell me who you'd get. Tell me who, why the other team would do the trade as well. And like something that works that makes the team better. There's not many guys out there that, you know, and are going to fit next to Giannis and not want to be a number one and not demand the ball too much. And like, it's, there's just nobody that really fits like Chris. It's the only guys that, you know, the the superstar players people want to get. It's like, well, those aren't easy to, you know, make trades for. Like people just kind of get lost in thinking how easy it is to upgrade Chris and make all these upgrades and do all, you know, make all these moves. I always have been completely fine with them running it back. And uh, just, I mean, I, I was in the camp of like, you won the title in 21 last year. I believe they at least get back to the finals, if not win it, if they're healthy. And so it's like, if they had gotten back to the finals, why, like what reason is there to really change anything at that point? You've been to two straight finals. I'm not saying you can't try to make some small upgrades and do stuff, but it's just as important to retain all those guys as it, you know, they could have lost players. They could have had guys that didn't want to stay here and stuff. It's like you kept everyone around, you kept a championship team together. The core is, you know, together and happy and everything. And you're trying to just move the pieces around them. And again, I get, I get upset when it's, you know, you're trying to judge this team and everyone wants to judge this team based on how they look without Chris. And yeah, the offense should look better than it. You know, even without him, it should look better than it has, but it's like, I don't, I'm not going to use this as some, Oh my goodness. They 100% should have gone and, made some trade for, you know, uh, even, I don't, I don't really like Jordan Clarkson because I just think he's another guy that would get picked on defensively. And if he doesn't get a ton of shots, if he doesn't get a ton of shots, I don't think he's that valuable. And it's like, I'm not going to use this, you know, get Chris back. I think that, you know, your big four with the way Brooks playing too, it's like, you're going to, you're going to at least be okay. You know, I, I'm just, I'm more trusting of this core and the big three. And, you know, as long as they're all close to healthy, it's like, I just, I, They've shown us, as you said, they've shown us that they can win a title. They've they've done that. So I'm kind of played out if they eventually get beat and someone has proven to be better. OK, then you start trying to look to to make some bigger moves and maybe change things around. Um, as far as like trade candidates, is there anyone you really like or that, you know, the guys that you're trying to get? Because, again, I'm more in the defender camp. Like I get a guy that you can put out there as, you know, the the fifth guy late and they can't, you know, attack anyone and like a Jay Crowder-ish player or, you know, and I've even seen trades, you know, people trying to trade maybe Bobby to get like a PJ Washington type, something like that, you know, anything, anything like that. But I just was curious, you know, you're any guys you like. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've mostly been, again, kind of like what I was saying earlier, mostly been thinking about like, well, who, who is the other starting guard? And if we want to talk about like criticism of the box for running it back, I mean, I think especially after watching the Christmas day game again, it, you know, I think people are harsher on Grayson than probably they should be in aggregate. Um, but I would also say, like, if you're starting Grayson Allen in a in a in a playoff series against the Boston Celtics at this point, like, you you didn't get it right. Like, you Correct. you didn't you didn't watch that series, right? Yep. And and again, like the problem with guys like Grayson and and also Bobby is they're not 
like, I mean, Grayson actually, like, I think is a, is it probably close to an average defender? I mean, he, he's actually not that bad, but the problem is he's small. Yeah. And against a team like the Celtics being small really hurts. And we saw like guys just went through him and Grayson and Bobby, if they're not giving you offense, it's really rough playing them. Right. And Bobby really struggled in that series to score effectively. Grayson really struggled to score. Effect- I mean, who didn't struggle to score effectively, right? right? Even Giannis had his, had his challenges scoring in that series. Um, so I think that that would probably be the one thing I would look at and say like, well, you probably should have like, you know, tried. So we probably need to try something different. It doesn't even necessarily mean that you had to get rid of Grayson Allen, but just try something different as far as starting someone else coming into the season. And like, I've just said like, look, like maybe you just, you just Pat Connaughton's just sitting here, right? He hasn't had the greatest season, but I think he's been coming around a bit lately. He's kind of like the clear least worst option in terms of being yeah. a guy that, that can play both ways reasonably well. And, you know, we've seen obviously at his best, he's, he's a dangerous three point shooter can cut and knows how to play with Giannis and those guys. So maybe we're just been like kind of overcomplicating this. It's like, just start Pat Connaughton, put, bring Grayson off the bench. If he's a bad matchup, then he just doesn't play that series, but you're not just banging your head against the wall, trying to start Grayson Allen and make Grayson Allen happen when it just isn't. See, Um, that's why we have Frank Madden on the show. He solves Bud's problems for Bud. And that's why you get Frank Madden on. That's why you listen to the Lockdown Bucks podcast. That's why you follow Frank Madden's real Twitter account at FMaddenNBA. He solves Bucks problems. That's why the man's got thousands and thousands and thousands of Twitter followers. They go to him. And then the Bucks, I think, follow him, too. And then they go to Bud. They go, Bud, Frank, uh, yeah, I really like what you're doing. I'm not even saying start Marjan Bochan, which would be really fun. I'd be fine yeah. with that, too. But, like. Just, but you like Pat Connaughton, but I know you like bringing him up the bench. Pat Connaughton, just start Pat Connaughton. Telling you right now, if this weekend, after we post this Friday morning, if Pat Connaughton's <laughs> starting, I'm just saying. Well, I he's want, starting. He, technically, I want, he is starting. Technically, he is starting, but I don't know if he will when Chris comes back. Right. So Madden gets credit, but Green and Growing Podcast, we get credit <laughs> too. Absolutely on that one. At Sparky Radio, at Nathan Marzian, Super Bucks fan. And of course, Frank Madden, the legend himself. And again, he just told you 2029, he's out, y'all. He's out. He ain't doing this forever. So you better appreciate him and love him now while you can. Tweet at him. Tell him what you love him. At Evan Madden NBA. Thank you so much, Mr. Madden, for joining us. Tons of fun, guys. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely.